Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. Our goal is to provide you with a way to listen to real conversations on work by real SLPs. We're full-time SLPs in the trenches. These are honest conversations, and we hope they are helpful, fun, and make your work and home life more manageable. I'm Sarah Lockhart. And I'm Sari Wu. This is a podcast to discuss work life, and taking care of ourselves in a profession full of ups and downs. I hope that by tuning in, we can all feel less alone, less isolated, and more empowered to be great SLPs. So first up today, a listener question. How do you work on social skills in speech? So that's a pretty broad question, so we'll break it up to preschool, school age, and adult, and keep it pretty general. Okay, so let's start from youngest to oldest clients. So first up, let's talk toddlers and preschoolers. So here's where we can start, or where I start for better or worse, joint attention. If you don't have their attention, you don't have them. Mm -hmm. You need a present learner, an engaged learner. So try and figure out where their energy is. Do they need to run back and forth? Do they need to hang out under a table with a blanket on it? Eventually, let's get them into our world. But to start, we may need to get into their world. So let's take the classic example of a toddler, preschooler running back and forth repetitively. I've seen that a lot. So give them maybe something small to hold each time they make a lap around so there's some interaction or put a chair halfway through and encourage them to go around or crawl under or blow bubbles through them running and say pop. Um, And with their parents' permission, of course, work on, you know, putting your hands like on your shoulders or like a hand in front and working on stop and go with some sort of physical prompt or the parent can do it or just cue stop by, you know, standing in front of them and getting in their way. So part of the challenge here is once you have a learner who can attend for, I'd say one to two minutes, that's when you want to start working in general on requesting and naming objects using whatever you want. Um, picture exchange, verbal gestures, you know, whatever. Um, So ABA folks call this manding. So for that, some of my favorite things that are highly motivating would be like a sticky hand. So it's, it's like a long sticky rope thing. And then there's a hand on the other end. And, you know, usually you like slam it against a wall and it sticks to the wall, right? So I have the child hold the hand and then I hold the other end, the long end. So we're each holding an end. And then I do different things with that because they've got something in their hand that's highly motivating. So I spin it like a jump rope and I model saying the word jump, jump. And I see if I can get an imitation. And sometimes the kids will even jump up and down as we move the hand like a jump rope. Um, I shake it a lot, which they love to watch. My kids love to watch in general. And I say shake and um, I draw out my sounds. So I say shake. Um, I also work on stop and go. So as we're shaking it, stop and then go just to see if they'll either initiate or look at me to request that we shake it again. Um, And so the last thing I do is pull, pull, pull. Snap. So basically you pull it long and you let it go and it makes a really satisfying sound that usually gets the child's attention. So I've got several simple activities like this, but for the interest of time, I'm going to just leave it at that one. 
um, and we can explore more later. So to summarize, first you need to engage. See what your learner is doing and work towards getting one to two minutes of attention. If you can't get that, then that is your goal to get one to two minutes of attention. Seriously. A lot of people are surprised when I say this, especially new SLPs, but if kids can't attend, they can't learn. Mm. And it doesn't need to be a super long amount of time, especially for these young learners, but I would work towards one to two minutes. Then... And only then, start by using fun and engaging toys to work on naming objects they want. You'll hear a lot about doing an interest inventory for this population and testing one toy at a time to create a hierarchy of what they want to work for. But girl or guy, don't make your life more complicated than it needs to be. (laughs) Throw all those toys on the floor, give them some free playtime, and see what they keep coming back to. You don't need that kind of complexity in your life, and you don't need to know uh, what the hierarchy is. Just know a handful of toys they like, Mm -hmm. and don't make it more complex than it needs to be. So, for school age, it seems like the most important thing is to talk to teachers and parents and figure out what really will make a difference. There are so many directions you could go with this. So, what's one example of a school age social skills lesson you might teach, Sari, or a goal you might have? Well, like you said, this is really a broad question, or maybe like I said, uh, there are tons of examples we could give. So last year, I had some students working on using the five-point scale to identify their emotions. I love it. It's the incredible five-point scale. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a great one, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah, I love that one too, and I use it for so much for voice volume, for feelings, for appropriate behaviors. Um, I also had some students learning to identify expected and unexpected behaviors this year. Students working on taking turns in conversation or while playing games. Some some students were learning how to use self-talk, strategies. Um, One example that I'll talk about, though, is involving this concept of whole body listening. And I like working on this goal because it relates to what is called a ready-to-learn skill that's essential for the students. So the question is, what did I do to teach it? Well, I made visuals of all the parts of the body involved in whole body listening, the eyes, ears, mouth, hands, and feet. And then we practice having good whole body listening and bad whole body listening with each body part. We read a book um, called The Social Detective, uh, which talks about this exact skill, and it pairs really well with the lesson. I also used an app called The Social Express, um, which has some really great interactive videos that kids can use to learn and visualize the skill more. And, you know, this would have been across a few lessons, of course. My students working on social skills really need to have multiple methods of visualizing and comprehending the target skill. And once they understand the concept, then we can role play and start to self-monitor. And from there, I just made a whole body listening visual, a little card that I could occasionally pull out and just point to as a visual cue for my students to self-monitor and check themselves, check that they were using whole body listening. And that's just one example for school age kiddos. We can share a link to that social detective book and the Social Express app in the show notes if you're interested. So I have the Social Detective Intermediate app from Social Thinking. So is the Social Express the same or is that something different? 
The Social Express program is something different, uh, but they use very similar terminology. So if you use the social thinking curriculum, the app will match with it really well. It's actually one of those programs that you subscribe to. And I've really liked it this year for my elementary students. And some of my middle school students got really into it, but I wouldn't really recommend it for high school because the kids in the app and the situations that they face are geared for younger students. Um, so why don't you go ahead and share what you would recommend for those older adolescents and young adults, Sarah? Mm. Okay, so we talked about toddlers and preschoolers and school age, so now we're moving on to adolescents, teens, and young adults. So with older clients, I honestly work a lot on being flexible around talking about different topics. Often teen or young adult clients have very, very specific and sometimes narrow interests, so their language is typically better. And yes, I'm generalizing here because this topic is too broad and we've got some time constraints, but they typically might have better language, but are really, really specifically interested in a narrow variety of topics that honestly can be a bore for their peers to listen to, like iPads or computer programming or volcanoes. So those are some of my clients' current interests. So let's zoom out here. First I ask, can they calm down? Do they have calming tools in their toolbox? Like the attention piece, that's a pre-skill. We need that skill to participate in social situations appropriately. So if we don't have that, I'll start there. Having these students identify what calms them down. I typically write out each of the five senses and we brainstorm ideas for each of the senses, something that we can do that's calming. So for example, under hearing, one of my clients said listening to bird sounds. So we'd write that down underneath. So I go through these senses one by one like that and we identify what's calming for them. And you know, our learners can't learn this in just one session typically, so make sure you're giving lots of examples as you go along, that you're practicing and role-playing the skills, and asking them each week how the last week went so that they can reflect on it. So this might take two to four sessions or so, or more or less, depending on the student. Okay, so once we're there and we have some self-calming strategies, I do an interestometer. It's a color-coded system. So for example, Green is topics that are interesting to you, red are ones that aren't, and orange and yellow are in the middle. So I'll link to a visual of that. So my students make one for themselves and I make one for me. And then we draw a Venn diagram to see what are things you know that are only interesting for them, things that are only interested for me, and what are topics that we're both interested in, what overlaps. So this takes several sessions you know, again, anywhere from two to four. And then they do the same at home with their siblings and parents who make their own interest meter And then we look over at those and make Venn diagrams of those together. It's also great for groups. Group members can do it together. And we also talk about how you can tell if you're talking about a topic that is red or really uninteresting, that's red for someone else. So we go through the colors again and talk about, so like for red, someone might be looking away, right? Um, and for green, a person is probably making good eye contact and nodding. So this is a super visual way to figure out if people are interested in your topic. And there are lots of ways to teach this lesson. And I think another way is to make a social file 
of what others are interested in. And it looks like a file folder on a worksheet and you can list out interests. And that's cool too, but this is much, much more visual. And you get a lot of bang for your buck, a lot of sessions and learning from this. And again, you know, I keep coming back to this, but I have to say it, we're super general because we cannot possibly cover everything we can do with all ages and autism in one show. So these are just some general examples. And, um, you know, these lessons won't work for every single client. I agree with you, Sarah. There are so many different facets of social skills. Uh, it's hard to pick just one area to discuss. So I hope that these few chosen areas are helpful for our listeners and answer that question a little bit. Um, if you're listening in and have more specific questions, let us know. We could talk about this all day. <laughs> we sure could. And if you'd like us to talk about social skills for a specific goal or a specific age, age range, just let us know. And on to other things. The time has now come to share another podcast review. These are our bread and butter for doing this podcast, and they make us feel reassured that we're on the right track with what we're doing and talking about. So today's review is from Rachel, who wrote, Sarah and Sari are as real as it gets. SLP Happy Hour brings camaraderie, a fresh perspective, humor, and downright honesty to the table. You'll laugh, you'll learn, you'll nod your head in agreement as you enjoy a virtual, night out with colleagues. Thank you, Rachel, for your review. Those reviews really make a big difference to us. And if you're listening and would be willing to write us a review for that, we would be grateful. And if there's one thing I love just as much as reading podcast reviews, it's our interview segment. And today's interview is with Cherie Chen of Superpower Speech. Her interview is going to be next following a brief ad break. So you know, on this podcast, we are all about helping you make your life calmer and more productive. Well, we've got a few things for you that will simplify your work life. Both of our sponsors aim to do that, and we'll share those with you today. Sarah, do you ever feel overwhelmed by keeping up with the research? Sometimes. It is time-consuming. And as speech-language pathologists, we depend on good research to serve our clients well. We strive to use evidence-based practice, but how much time do we really have to search for new evidence? Reading research articles is time-consuming, and as SLPs, we don't have much time. So, it's nice to have help wading through the research. One thing that's helped me, my membership to the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP is an advertiser on this podcast, but I pay for my membership with my own money because it is so helpful. So let the Informed SLP help you by doing the research for you too. They search all of the top speech language pathology journals each month, looking for articles that are highly relevant to your daily practice. They provide you with plain language summaries of the most clinically applicable research. It's how smart SLPs do EBP. You can join the Informed SLP at www.theinformedslp.com. Again, that's www.theinformedslp.com. You'll get 50% off of your first three months 
and then the regular price after that. With the code SLP Happy Hour, no spaces, all lowercase. And you can cancel at any time. And our second sponsor is SLP Now. SLP Now is the no-stress membership designed to help SLPs like you plan effective therapy and manage their caseload with less stress than ever before. You log in, search by targeted objective or month or theme, and print out materials for your learners and go. It's that easy. Instead of going onto websites where you buy items individually, for one monthly price, you can get access to all the materials you need for your learners. That saves time and hassle. I've been a member for almost two years, and I do feel clear-headed knowing my lesson planning is quick and effective. Joining SLP Now organizes your SLP lesson plan life so you can move on to doing what you got into this profession for, seeing your students. And if that sounds right up your alley, the best part is, if you are an SLP Happy Hour listener, you can get a free trial at slpnow.com happy. Again, that's slpnow.com slash h-a-p-p-y. Okay. Hi, Cherie. Welcome. Hi there. Um, so we can get to know you better. Uh, we are definitely going to talk about organization and just general, like, you know, a, a tidy mind is a tidy house, right? Um, so I want to ask you all about that. But first, will you kind of introduce yourself to our audience and um, let us know who you are and what work setting you work in and what keeps you busy? Sure. Okay. So my name is Cherie and um, I got into the field of speech pathology totally accidentally. I um, finished college with a biology degree and a secondary education um, teaching certificate. And so I taught high school biology for a year and I hated it. Um, Absolutely hated it. And I didn't know what to do next. I knew I couldn't continue what I was doing. And a few years before, my father had had a massive stroke that we didn't think he would recover from. And he did, he partially recovered. Um, But one of his big things that he was continuing and still to this day, 20 years later, is um, still getting speech therapy. So my mom said, maybe you would like that. I saw some sign language posters in there in the speech therapist's office, and I was always interested in sign language. So I applied to grad school. I got in. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know it was competitive field to get into. Um, and I got about a year and a half into the program before I finally was like, oh, I kind of get maybe what this is. Um, so it was completely by accident, and um, I just followed through because I was already a year and a half through the program by the time I figured out what it was. And um, I ended up ironically getting my very first job in the exact same school district that I had fled from as a high school teacher. Um, Luckily, I didn't burn any bridges when I left that job, which I wanted to burn them all because it was such a terrible fit for me. But I didn't burn any bridges. And so the very first job I got was in that same school district. And I lasted about six months. um, And during that time, I had a classroom that was very, very... um, 
multi-disability. Everyone was nonverbal. Most of the time they were just working on just, you know, cause and effect switch use. And I became really interested in augmentative communication because I had no idea what to do. So I applied for an AAC fellowship in Portland, Oregon, and I got it. And uh, my husband and I moved to Portland and we've been here ever since. Um, after doing that AAC internship at the hospital, I ended up deciding I wanted to go back into the schools. I love the school schedule. And so I have been working in the public schools ever since then. And I think this was my 15th year at my current school. I just finished just last month. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's a really great story about how it's, it sounds like a combination of like happenstance and, you know, lucky sort of just things happening and then finding really what you are interested in. Yeah. It was a lot of things together and, um, and I, I'm glad, I mean, you know, I, I'm glad I ended up where I did. Right. And it's a windy road when you're in grad school, you just think, you know, A will lead to B will lead to C, but that's not really how it works. Oh yeah. All my internship and everything, all my projects, I'm sorry, in grad school and my mentor and everything were for adult aphasia and acquired neurologic disorders. Um, And I had every intention of working with adult population, you know, post-stroke rehab adult populations. And that didn't try, I didn't find a job in that area. And I yeah, it just, you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to switch to the topic of the day. So we have time to talk about it. So we wanted you on because you are an SLP, but you're also an organization expert and you have an organization course. So I wanted to chat a little bit about, uh, for listeners, why, why we're talking about this in the first place, which is, like I said before, a uh, clean and tidy house results in a clean and tidy mind, first of all. And second of all, um, like for me, keeping things organized at home is, I think, a challenge. Sarah, your house always looks pretty good. <laughs> you, yeah, we do pretty good at home. I think my office Oh my gosh, my office is a mess. So um, we talk a lot on this podcast about self-care. As far as self-care goes, um, I think that keeping up on this stuff, you know, like, I don't know if anyone like wants to do it, but um, can really be a way to take better care of ourselves too. That's definitely true. I agree. And so my question for you, and this is more, I mean, this is just out of self-interest is, Um, how do you do it? Because for me, um, sort of like the house cleaning, tidying, I leave it all for the weekend and then I have a stressful weekend and I don't have like restorative time on the weekend. So can you just walk me through what you do that works better? Because I know that what I'm doing does not work better. Well, let me start by saying that I have children that are teenagers now and they are expected to help, uh, which is very helpful. However, they are also the cause of many of the messes in the house. So, you know, I think if they weren't around, I'd be in the exact same shape as having them here to help me. Um, So what I try to do is just keep things pretty much in a routine where every day um, I have, uh, I clean up at the end of the day, um, like the dishes and the table and try to put things away um, that are out, even though in general, my rule is nothing should be out. You know, a, what is the saying? A home for everything, or a place for everything and everything in its place. That's my ideal. Um, 
And then at the end of the day, I just try to tidy that up and then leave all the deeper cleaning for the weekend. Um, however, because I'm really strict, Sunday is our cleaning day and I'm really strict about we got to get our cleaning done today. The cleaning jobs that I have to do on the weekend, I really don't spend more than an hour cleaning total total for the week. So if you um, take away all the just kind of daily chores of doing the dishes and wiping down the counters, I really only spend about an hour a week cleaning. And part of that is because my children do help me. Um, And before the kids were old enough to help me, maybe it would be like an hour and a half to two hours, but I get it done first thing on Sunday morning before I even go to church. And then it's just done. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like scheduling it in. I'm just trying to think what are, you know, what, what do you think has kept you successful? Like I'm hearing some things like you're scheduling it in. There's no excuses. It has to happen. But also um, you, you kind of keep your thumb on it. Like you, you keep up with it so that it doesn't get to a point where everyone feels overwhelmed. Right. When it does start to feel overwhelming, I am so stressed out and uh, everyone in my family is like, stay away from her. (laughs) And and of course I'm like, yeah, I've tried so many times. I have my current creation I just made just a few days ago and it already doesn't work. So (laughs) um, for the most part, everyone just has their known jobs. And then I just, by the, by Sunday night, I'm like, by the end of today, before you go to bed, all your, you know, cleaning jobs have to be done. And then sometimes there's a consequence if it doesn't happen, but usually it ends up happening um, for everyone. And I think so in terms of ways to, to make it happen and really be consistent with it, scheduling it is key. I just, I do it on Sunday morning before I go to church and after I get up. So that is just part of my routine for the week. Um, and then the other thing, yeah, is having a, never letting it get too bad to begin with, because if it gets really bad in the first place, then I get just completely overwhelmed. Uh, And then, you know, one of those like freeze, you just freeze because you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do about this mess right now. Do you have any recommendations for people who are struggling with motivation with it or excuses and kind of putting it off and therefore making themselves more overwhelmed? (laughs) I think the best thing is to put it on your calendar, especially in the beginning, like literally make an appointment with yourself. If you have a spouse or children, um, put it on their calendar too. Um, and sometimes you can get a lot of help from friends. If you say, especially during summer, which it is right now, you can say, okay, you come to my house every Sunday at 10 for the next couple of weeks and we'll clean my house. And then we'll go to your house on, you know, Saturday at 10 and we'll clean your house or some kind of accountability in that way with a friend or a family member, or just with your calendar itself. Mm-hmm. And having that accountability, especially at the start, it sounds like is a good idea until it becomes in a habit. Right. And if you have the extra time, uh, like in the summer or during a school break or, or something like that, it is easier to find an accountability partner in that way. It might be harder to clean because you're off of your regular routine from the school year, but it's easier to at least find a partner. Do you have any resources for people who, you know, as SLPs, we're definitely like checklist people uh, and listers. Uh, Any resources for people who are just like, I want to get started with the cleaning routine. I want to clean out my house. I want to clean out my mind, you know, um, but 
it feels overwhelming. So like I want a to-do list or I want there to be like just three chores that I do the first time, um, just kind of where to start. Well, I ended up actually creating a course um, for people who want to be kind of handheld through the process with, you know, videos and checklists and all sorts of things. And I called it, I have to be honest, I don't love the name, but I called it Productivity um, and organization for women because I liked the acronym POW. It goes very well with my superpower um, theme, um, but it's really not just for women. It's for anyone who wants to get their home um, organized and, and feel more productive. But if you don't want to go through a course such as mine, and there are others out there as well that I have, some of them I've paid for, some of them I've just looked at, there are tons of just checklists you can get online or go to Pinterest or blog posts. There's lots of things that people have um, out there for someone who just wants to get started. Yeah, Pinterest is a great place for that. And um, I will link, I'll find, I'll find a couple of good ones and I'll link to them in the show notes. So I have kind of a personal question. Do you have any tips for, for combing through materials that are bequeathed to you and keeping those organized so you actually are tracking whether or not you're using them? Okay, so we're switching from like home to work. Yeah, home okay. to work. Yes, right. the work question. Well, I've designed a course for someone like you too, and that's called the Organized SLP. <laughs> One module in, in that course, we talk about um, materials and getting rid of things that you don't use or you haven't used. And so I go through different tips um, during that module on things like get rid of anything that is now considered politically pretty incorrect or racist or um, technology that doesn't exist anymore. When I got my room, there was all sorts of like, you know, pictures of pay phones and just things that the kids had no idea what those were anymore. So that's an easy one. Um, and then the another idea I have for people is if you're not really sure, then put a little tag on it and if you use it during the year, put the date that you used it. And at the end of the year, go through things and look for all the tags that have no date on them. And figure for the most part that if you haven't used it in an entire year, it's probably never going to get used. There are a few exceptions to that, such as I've had years where I don't have a single fluency client. And I wouldn't want to get rid of all my fluency things just because I didn't have a fluency client that year. But every year I'm going to have a million Arctic kids and a million language kids. And if I have language or Arctic resources and I don't use them for the whole year, then there's no point in keeping them because I'm not even going to remember that I have them, you know, two years from now. I love that. Those are great tips. I'm planning to go and label everything this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Going to work in the summer. Uh, and then before we wrap up, uh, every episode we ask uh, whoever we are interviewing for a self-care challenge. This can be something easy and simple we can do to, in your case, stay organized or take better care of ourselves. Do you have a self-care challenge for our listeners? So I do have a challenge. It is partially um, staying organized and partially taking care of, well, it's both. It's staying organized and taking care of your body. And it is during your um, 
mornings ideally, although for some people it doesn't work, to actually put on your calendar a time that you are going to do something good for your body in terms of exercise. So put it on your calendar that you're going to take a walk at 10 o'clock in the morning if you're on break, or put it on your calendar that you are going to do an exercise video at 6.30 in the morning, something like that, so that you're both um, staying organized and keeping on track, and you are also physically taking care of you know, your muscles and your brain and your heart and your lungs. Mm -hmm. Because taking care of our, our bodies, it's, it's something that can fall by the wayside, you know, anywhere from like eating to exercising, uh, in times of stress and actually doing it, uh, can really improve our physical and mental health. Right. Right. And there's lots of people that say, I don't have time to exercise, but if they put it on their calendar, they realize that they actually do have time. They're just choosing to use that time in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think everybody has enough time. I think the excuse that I'm kind of okay with is like, I'm too tired, in which case I'm like, do yoga. (laughs) But yes, everyone does have time. As harsh as that sounds, it's the truth. It just means you might have to give up on something that's maybe less important in the scheme of things, like watching TV or browsing the internet. Mm-hmm. And getting sucked into your phone, right? Oh, yeah. At least that happens to me. All right. So where can listeners find you online or find out more about you online? The best place to find all you know links to everything is on my blog, which is superpowerspeech.com. Um, I've been blogging for 10 years and on there you can find links to my teachers pay teachers store and free resources and my Facebook and my Instagram and everything like that. And what's a project that you're currently working on? It could be SLP related or not. Um, that's keeping you busy right now. Um, right at this instant, I'm working on a new um, product for fall for teachers pay teachers. Um, but something that's keeping my brain really busy is that I have just enrolled in a doctorate program that I'm going to be starting in September. So I'm trying to, um, get all everything all set apart in terms of my email and my, you know, everything that needs to get in a new computer, all the things that need to be done when you go back to school. Congratulations. Wow, that's huge. Are you going to work full-time while you go back to school? I am. It's an online program. It's a um, clinical sciences doctorate through Rocky Mountain University, and I will be working full-time and continuing to run my blog and my Teachers Pay Teachers store and trying to take care of my family all at the same time. And what's your hope? What do you hope to get out of um, doing your doctorate? Is it just for your own interest? Uh, Do you hope to make a career shift in the future? Are you still just kind of figuring it out? I'm still figuring it out. It's always been a personal bucket list goal of mine to have my doctorate in something. And I I knew it wasn't going to be my PhD because I didn't want to go back to school full time for that many years. But this opportunity is just, just meets the bill of being able to do it online and be able to just feel like I've accomplished something new. And I've been out of, I've been out of grad school for 18 years. So it kind of feels like it's time to do something else to further my education. Good for you. And it'll be fascinating to hear, you know, on your blog as you go along where that journey takes you as well. Sure. Yeah. We'll have to interview you again later to talk about balancing everything. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Doctorate. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for coming on, Cherie. It was great talking to you, and uh, we appreciate all the tips that you shared on organization and cleaning up your space and making it a routine. Okay. All right. that concludes this episode of SLP Happy Hour. We hope this episode was fun and helpful. Before we wrap up, a few quick announcements. Our sticker shop is now open. It's slphappyhour.com shop, where you can get all sorts of self-care stickers that I designed for you in mind. Also, if you want to hear more from us, you can sign up for our newsletter. We usually send those out about once a month with all sorts of sneak peeks and freebies, and you can sign up for that at our homepage, slphappyhour.com. Wherever you are in your SLP journey, we hope you feel more connected and empowered by listening today. Let's figure this out together. By sharing our experiences and perspectives, we can become more connected with each other and more forgiving of ourselves. Let's navigate through these thorny issues together. As we do, remember you already know what you need to know to be an awesome SLP. You already care as much as you need to care to be an awesome SLP. Remember, you can help us out by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, telling a friend, and subscribing to the show. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on social media as SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed the show and that this was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.